0: Yeah, Jesus really is risen, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to give that an hallelujah. Can I hear an hallelujah? hallelujah. Yeah, one, one more. Hallelujah. One more. Hallelujah. Woo! Easter is so good. So good. And I'm so glad to be here with you all. I hope you're glad here too. Uh, why don't you turn towards your neighbor and tell him he is risen. And I'm so glad you're here for it. well Easter really is so so good so good especially after all that we've been through if Friday has passed Jesus has been taken his body has been taken and the toe tag written he's dead His bloody and bruised, lifeless corpse was taken down off the cross on Friday, and a wealthy man named Joseph of Arimathea asked for his body to be placed in a tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. And then the women show up. Early. (laughs) Early. Too early. Early on Sunday morning. And they went to the tomb early on Sunday morning to prepare Jesus' body for burial. To make sure that their friend Jesus had, had a proper burial. They, they went simply because they loved Jesus. They, they knew that, that love could not change the fact of his death. But that love could live through it. And thereby defeat the pain of it. And so they got up to go to the tomb Just to do what love does. They didn't understand what was going on. They just did what love does. They didn't know. They they really didn't know that Easter had happened, that he had been raised from the dead, that he was alive, new and transformed, that the new creation was beginning. He was alive. But they didn't know that yet. The only thing on their mind, besides the grief, besides the loss, besides the pain, besides the hopelessness, was this very real and practical question, who, who will roll away the stone from the tomb? You see, what they would do is they would and place a body in a tomb, which was sort of like a cave. And then they would leave the tomb open actually for a few days so that people could come by, pay their respects, grieve, anoint the body with spices and perfumes. And then only after a few days would they then seal the tomb which meant that they would roll a stone over in front of the entrance of the cave. This was a huge rock. This thing probably weighed about two tons. And it was usually rolled down an incline so that once it was there in place, it wasn't going anywhere. But somebody had already sealed the tomb of Jesus two days early on Friday just to make sure that nobody got in and nobody got out. And you can almost hear the hopelessness in the women's voices when they ask, who, who is going to move this thing? After everything that they have been through, after Jesus has died and they've been robbed of the simple courtesy of paying their final respects to their dear friend, their question, who will roll this stone away, lingers In the air. In one sense, this question could be understood literally, physically. This this is an unmovable stone that stood between them and Jesus. But also, it's a question that could be understood symbolically, because the stone carried the weight of everything that stands in the way. Everything that is weighing them down, blocking them from where they intended to go, blocking them from where they wanted to go with Jesus. The stone represented everything in their life that seemed to be sealed and shut and permanent and immovable. It was a symbol of their grief. It was a symbol of their disappointment. It was a symbol of their hopelessness. And just as heavy and as immovable as this stone was, all the things of their life must have seemed just as heavy and immovable as well. You see, they were on their way to try to make peace with the death of their friend. They were on their way to try to make peace with the death of God, or at least the man who mistook himself for God. They were trying to make peace with the death of their hopes and their dreams. And so the question that they're really asking is, who can move something that can't be moved? The answer is obvious. No one. There there is no solution for this. Uh, Especially since all the men at this point had gone off into hiding. But Mary was there, the women were there, but all the men, they were scattered. Thank God Jesus called women to follow him too. Because if it was just up to the men, we might not be here today. We we may have never gotten the news that Jesus actually rose from the dead. You know, sometimes you got to pull information out of us. But thank God the women were there. But they still didn't know what they were really there for. They, they just had that question on their mind, who is going to roll away the stone for us? And you know, that, that question, it, it struck me a little bit different this year. I, I began to think about all the things in my life that, that seem just immovable. Have you ever, have you ever felt like there's, there's just things in your life that, that seem immovable? unchangeable, stuck, that no matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you try, they seem to always be there. How many things feel like they're just never going to change? Maybe for you, it's mental health. Maybe it's a marriage or, or a relationship that despite the counseling, despite the work, despite all of the attention, it still seems immovable, still seems stuck. Maybe it's a job or a career. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's an addiction. Or a habitual behavior that, that you know what you ought to do, but you just can't do what you know that you ought to do. Like it's not going anywhere. And the more you push on it, the more you feel like a failure because that rock just ain't moving. Or for those of you who are parents, no matter how many doctor's appointments, no matter how many books you've read, no matter how many tactics you've tried, nothing seems to change that which is unchangeable. And then there's grief or, or even the specter of death itself, which is so universal. We all have to face it. It's so unavoidable that it affects everyone and everything. Do you, do you have something in your life that just seems immovable, like it's never going to change? That's, that's where the women are this morning. But then in, in Mark's gospel, the next line is so so simple and so matter-of-fact. And it's the beginning of the good news. It says, when they looked up, when the women looked up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back. They, they looked up and they saw the thing that, that seemed immovable had been moved. <laughs> had been, not, not might be. It had already been. Before they pushed, before they asked, before they ever even tried, it had been moved. God has made a way out of no way. God has given a solution for their immovable problem. And I believe that stones can still roll. I believe that God can still turn graves into gardens. I believe that he still lives today. And I believe that. I believe that. God is still on the move. But I'm in a privileged position because I know the end of the story. They don't. Mary doesn't know that there's an encore at the end of all of this. So she's there crying, and she's asked twice. Twice she is asked the same question. Woman, why are you crying? Why? Woman, why are you crying? George Bernard Shaw, he, he said it this way. You might remember this quote. He said, you see things the way they are, and you ask, why? But I dream things that never were, and ask, why not? Why not? Why, why not to those immovable stones in our world? Why not a world where children don't have to go to bed hungry? Why not a world where every person is treated with love and justice and mercy? Why not a world where we at last learn to lay down our weapons by the riverside and refuse to learn war anymore? Why not? Why not a world where we all see each other as children of God? Why not a world where we are reconciled with the God who deeply loves us and reconciled with one another? Oh, some see the world the way they are and ask why. But we who follow Jesus, we see things that never were and ask, why not? Why not? Easter is a why not kind of day. And we've got a why not kind of God. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to be the people of the why not movement. We've got ourselves a why not God. But but we live in a why weary world. You just pay attention to it. You turn on the news. We've got it all. We've got hunger and violence, division, injustice, war, suffering. We we live in a why weary world. Woman, why are you weeping? Why? Because don't you know? Don't don't you know that we've got we've got a why not kind of God? That in those opening pages of the Bible, we find our why not God standing there over the nothingness of creation. And God says, Why not? And galaxies explode, water begins rushing, and flowers start blooming. Why not? And we begin to breathe. God heard the cries of the oppressed people in Egypt, and God asked, Why not? Why not freedom for all of my children? Why not? And God called up Moses to set the captives free. Why not? And over this past week, in the story of Jesus, we see the collision between our why not God and the why weary world. The the collision between the actual and the ideal. The collision between the titanic nightmare that we have made of this world and the dream that our God of love has for it. The collision between the horror of the cross and the joy of the empty tomb. Friends, God's dream always wins. God always gives a solution to our immovable problems. And God always asks our why weary world, why not? <laughs> why not? Thank God we've got a why not kind of God. Because only a why not kind of God would raise somebody from the dead. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, why not? For God so loved the world that God walked ahead of us into death so that we might find resurrection on the other side. Why not? For God so loved the world that he turned a grave into a garden. Why not? For God so loved the world that he made you and me in love, by love, and for love. Why not? So let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Easter didn't just change something. Easter changed everything. Easter wasn't just a day. Easter was the day. The day that the world changed. And how do I know that? Let me tell you. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He says, If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through his spirit that lives in you. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then why not? Now what that means, what that means, pay attention, is it means that that Jesus didn't just give his life for you, but that Jesus gave his life to you. Let me say that again, because I can tell it's still too early for some of you. Jesus didn't just give his life for you, but he gave his life to you. Jesus didn't just give his life for you so that one glad morning, when this world is over, you'll fly away to heaven. That's all good. That's all fine. But he gave his life to you, to you so that you could have resurrection now. So, so that you could have new life now. He, he gave his life to you so that you, so that you could be the solution to this why-weary world. So that you could be God's why-not kind of people. So that you could be God's resurrected and resurrecting kind of people so that you could continue this why-not movement and dream of God. That word resurrection In the Greek, the original language that the New Testament was written in, if you got up to be here today, you might as well learn something. That word resurrection in the Greek, it's it's anastasis. It's a word that that they actually had to kind of make up because they were trying to find a word for something that, well, had never been done before, (laughs) before Jesus rose from the dead. And, And so it's this word, anastasis, And the prefix, ana, means again. And stasis is the conjugation of the verb which means to stand. And so, anastasis resurrection literally means to stand again. And so, anastasis resurrection, it means so much more than just breath coming back into lungs and eyes being opened up. No, no, it's much more than that. Anastasis resurrection is reference to someone who has been knocked down but who gets back up. Someone who has been shut down, but decides that they aren't going to be shut down anymore. Somebody who has been quieted, but decides to open their mouth again. The resurrection, the resurrection is the continuation of God's rebellion against the kingdom of this world. The resurrection is our why not God asking our why weary world, why not? Why not possibility? The resurrection is God saying, you can't stop me. You you can't kill God. You can't limit this. Sure, you can nail him to a cross, but God is still going to work. You can close him in a tomb, but God still has authority there. You can roll an immovable stone in front of it, and God is still going to make a way. That what you thought was over, what you thought was gone and lost and hopelessness, Jesus says, hold on a minute. Because things are just getting started. The the resurrection says that just because he got knocked down doesn't mean that he won't get back up. Why not? Why not? And, And if the same spirit of Christ that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then why not? No matter how many times you've been knocked down or how long you've been down for, our God says, why not? Anastasis. Get back up. It's hot up here. So Mary, let's go back to Mary. Mary, it tells us that before she met Jesus, Mary had seven demons. Y'all ever see the movie The Exorcist? You remember, you remember that one? I, I sort of remember it. I only saw it once. There's that scene where her head starts spinning around like an owl. I, I remember watching it. I think I was eight years old. I have two older brothers. If that tells you anything. And, and you know, um, I remember watching it, and I had a belly full of Chinese food and stolen vodka from my parents' liquor cabinet. Two older brothers. And I recreated one of those scenes in that movie. <laughs> Sorry, John and Joe, to write you guys out. <laughs> but, but I remember that movie, so, some of it. But that girl in that movie, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think that girl in that movie, she only had one demon. Mary had seven. Seven before she met Jesus. But Jesus healed her. You see, Jesus, Jesus saw something in her that the world did not see. Jesus saw something in her that she perhaps didn't see. Jesus looked beyond her brokenness, beyond her struggles, beyond her, her limitations and her immovable, unchangeable reality. And Jesus said, why not? Why, why not her? And she followed him followed him even to death, even after everyone else had fled. She followed him to the grave and she stumbled upon new life. Some people ask, why? But we who are followers of Jesus, we dream things that never were and ask, why not? And the truth is, the truth is that the people who have always changed the world for good, are the people who refuse to settle for a why-weary world. But it's the people who ask, why not? Who have always brought the solution to push us into God's kingdom. It's only those who dream in the direction of God's why not, who have changed our why-weary world. Why are you weeping? Why? We've got a why-not kind of God. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, then why not? One last thing, and then I'm done. It was towards the end of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln was president at the time, you all know that. And it, it was becoming clear at this time that the Union was going to win the war. Victory was on the horizon, but there was still a question, an open question about the issue of slavery. That if the 13th Amendment to the Constitution was not passed, it was being drafted and debated over, if the 13th Amendment to the Constitution was not passed, that, that then when the war was over, a deal would be struck that would have allowed slavery to have continued. And so Lincoln in this moment is torn between the why not of God and this why weary world. And Lincoln was uncertain about what to do. In fact, Lincoln said just prior to this, in a speech he gave, when he was facing down his own immovable stone, Lincoln said, My goal is not to save my goal is to save the Union, not to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the union without freeing any slaves, I would do it. This is honest Abe Lincoln. And he said, if I could save the union by freeing all slaves, then then I would do that. Abraham Lincoln was saying, if I can make a compromise between the why and the why not, then I will do that. But that's not how resurrection works. So Frederick Douglass, a leader of the abolitionist movement, trying to free the slaves in the States, he said, in despair, he said, if we've lost Abe Lincoln, the cause is lost. And he was in despair. This huge, immovable stone seemed to be rolling down the hill to seal the deal. But then you know who showed up? showed up at Frederick Douglass's house. It's a woman named Sojourner Truth. And she found Douglass there weeping with his head in his hands, crying, why, why? But then Sojourner Truth walked over. She grabbed Frederick Douglass by the arm and she said, Frederick, is God dead? If not, then get up and fight. And Frederick went back to Abe Lincoln until Abe Lincoln finally signed the Emancipation Proclamation that now henceforth and forevermore those enslaved in the slaving states are free. All because one woman believed that God was alive. And if God is alive, then God is not finished with us yet. And if Jesus lives, that this world does not have the last word. That if Jesus lives, the cross does not get to have the final word. If Jesus lives, it means that the worst thing is not the last thing. Yeah, he may have been knocked down, but that don't mean that he won't get back up again. Even early Sunday morning, while it is still dark, God is up to something. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Easter is good. And when Mary meets Jesus in that garden, while it was still dark, while she's on the hunt for death, she stumbles upon life. She finds that Jesus has stood up again. And Jesus says to Mary, Mary, don't hang on to me. But go, tell the others about this. Mary, is God dead? If not, then stand up, Anastasis, and get back out there. Friends, Jesus has given his life not only for you, but he has given his life to you so that you So that you can get back out there and be the solution to this world. So that you can get back out there and live as God's why not kind of people in a why weary world. So that you can be Easter people. Let's pray. God. Pray that this may not just be a day for us. But God, if we haven't recognized it already, that this day would be the day. The day where you call us to live differently. The day where you call us to be why not kind of people. In the midst of a why weary world. That we would be your people of love and that love would defeat death. In every chance it seeks to advance. God, help us to be Easter people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.